0: These are solemn times. Yesterday was Holocaust Remembrance Day. As if we need reminding that the passions and the rage and the boiling hatred of those days have not disappeared from the earth. We experienced yet again this week murderous hatred of Jews in Poway, California. We mourn the death of Lori Kilbert K. And we pray for the speedy recovery of those wounded in the assault, including the rabbi of the synagogue, Yisroel Goldstein. Attacks on Jewish institutions and synagogues are occurring with greater frequency. Poway just came six months after Pittsburgh. More than I fear, hate mongers. I am alarmed by the creeping normalcy of it all. Bursting into a synagogue and firing a semi-automatic weapon no longer shocks us. We kind of expect it. And that is the grievous wound inflicted on this country. Armed guards at synagogues – a surge in violence perpetrated against Jews and Jewish institutions, naked anti-Semitism in mainstream media and academic publications. We thought that these were stray weeds growing in the deserts of America. It happens abroad, in Europe, in the Arab world. Not here, we thought. America is not Germany of the 1930s. American Jews are blessed. Overwhelmingly, Americans are good and tolerant people. Jews have prospered here as no other place in history. Nor is America contemporary Europe, where anti-Semitic incidences happen literally every day. If you join our mission to Strasbourg, Paris and Brussels in the fall. You will see it with your own eyes. You will better understand what may happen here if we are not vigilant. Still, there is something different today. Anti Semitic incidences are surging, hateful speech is intensifying. Where is this hatred of Jews coming from? First, it is not restricted to Jews. The impulses that lead to the killing of Jews in prayer also lead to the killing of Christians in prayer and Muslims in prayer. The Poway killer was charged with setting fire to a mosque a few weeks before his attack on the synagogue. He hated Muslims as well as Jews. Intolerably easy access to firearms exacerbates the problem. Easy access to social media platforms and modern communications facilitating the spewing of hatred is part of the problem. A political culture that divides rather than unites is part of the problem. That said, anti Semitism is distinctly and uniquely different. For sure, it is on the spectrum of racisms of all types, but it is also a separate virus that if not contained, will destroy the body politic. Second, anti-Semitism comes both from the right and from the left. It has always been that way. For the anti-Semites of the right, Jews invented communism. For the anti-Semites of the left, Jews are rapacious capitalists. Both think that for Jews it is all about the Benjamins. Both think that Jews have mystical powers to manipulate society. There is some kind of international plot to pull the strings of the world for the enrichment of the Jews. From the right, it is the charge that there is a Jewish cabal, the elders of Zion. From the left, it is Israel, the Zionist elders, hypnotizing the world and manipulating the great powers. Both right-wing and left-wing anti-Semites are convinced that Jews control the media. Both think that Jews have too much influence over Hollywood, television and general culture. Jews will not replace us from the right parallels. Check your white colonial Zionist privilege in your intersectionality corner from the left. You have no right even to criticize any person of color, no matter what they said about Jews. Both right-wing and left-wing anti-Semites hate that Jews are a distinctive people. They always have. For the racists of the right. Jews are a parasitical and inferior people, vermin, that threaten the health and hygiene of the world. Their worst nightmare is that Jews assimilate into the broader culture. For them, Jews need to be suppressed, exiled, and barring any other effective solution exterminated. For the racists of the left. Assimilation actually is possible. They are open to it and want it. But what they cannot abide is Jews who refuse to abandon their distinctive Jewish identity. If you are a Zionist, they say, by definition, you are illiberal and racist. Jews do something that no others can do. We manage to unite the extreme right and the extreme left. They are on opposite sides of the political spectrum on everything but fold into each other at the extremes overlapping in agreement on their hatred of Jews. One calls it, I hate Jews. The other calls it, I hate Israel. The anti-Semitism of the extreme right is lethal. These are violent racists who hate many people – not only Jews. They hate African-Americans and Muslim-Americans. They hate immigrants. They are the ones who burst into Jewish institutions intent on carnage. It is the anti-Semitism of the Pittsburgh attack. It is the anti-Semitism of the Poway attack. It is the anti-Semitism of Charlottesville – it is deadly in its outcome. But its lethality is more easily detected because it is all out there in public. These haters do not attempt to hide their hatred. They write malignant manifestos of malevolence disdained and discredited by everyone else. While the anti-Semitism of the left is not violent in this way, at least not in America, it too is dangerous. Combating left-wing anti-Semitism requires more than hiring security guards. It requires knowing who you are and what you believe. This type of anti-Semitism is hidden under the high-sounding rhetoric of progress, human rights, civil rights, liberty and freedom. In the name of these values, developed and cherished by Jewish tradition for centuries, and fought over so valiantly by so many Jews, in the name of these values, a ferocious hatred of Israel emerges. Of course, in and of itself, criticizing Israel is entirely legitimate, as even the most advanced countries. Israel still has a long way to go. But in its extreme form, it is not Israeli politics they seek to dismantle. It is Israel itself, which they claim has no right to exist. And when you point out to these people that their views are anti-Semitic, And fundamentally illiberal, they betray liberalism. They become apoplectic. They refuse to acknowledge their racism. To the contrary, you are the racist, they say, for calling out their racism. This type of anti Semitism is not washed clean because some groups who have the word Jewish in their name support left wing hatred of Israel. That phenomenon, too, has been around for a very long time. There have always been Jews and Jewish movements discomforted with the Jewish collective and disdaining the exercise of collective Jewish power, even in self-defense. The anti-Semitism of the left is gaining traction in wide swaths of American society. It is making inroads on American campuses. Is it gaining traction at the margins of the Democratic Party? Several weeks ago I had dinner with two British members of parliament who were visiting the United States. One was from the Conservative Party and the other was from the Labour Party. When I asked them why they were here they responded, we didn't pick up on the growing anti-Semitism of the Labour Party ten years ago. We see the same trends beginning in the political left in the United States. And we came to warn you that if you do not fight this trend, it will grow to the dimensions that it currently exists in the UK. I was thinking of that conversation this week. On the same week of the vicious Poway attack, on the very week we were also exposed to a creeping legitimization of left-wing anti-Semitism, and an example of how dangerous it can be. I accept the New York Times explanation of the process that led to the anti-Semitic cartoon in the International Edition. I accept it. I have no reason to doubt their description of the lax levels of supervision in the international Court. I also accept the paper's apologies. They strike me as sincere. It took the times too long to get to that place that should have been obvious from the start. Drawing the Prime Minister of Israel as a dog, hanging the Star of David on him while he is leading the blind American president on a leash, who is adorned with a kippah on his head. It's classic anti-Semitic tropes. One would have thought that the Times would have recognized it immediately and apologized. Still, after days of inadequacy, by Wednesday, they reached the right place. They themselves conceded that the cartoon was anti-Semitic. They said it themselves. Writing in an editorial, anti-Zionism can clearly serve as a cover for anti-Semitism. And some criticism of Israel, they wrote, as the cartoon demonstrated, is couched openly in anti-Semitic terms. Finally they said. Finally, they wrote it. Finally, they got it. The paper emphasized the appearance of such an obviously bigoted cartoon in a mainstream publication is evidence of a profound danger, not only of anti-Semitism, but of numbness to its creep. We have been warning of this for years. Think about it. That it took four days for the Times to even realize the anti-Semitic nature of the cartoon is evidence of precisely what they wrote. It is why they wrote it. A numbness to the creep of anti-Semitism. Would it have taken anyone, any liberal, let alone the New York Times, four days to recognize the offense had, say, a Muslim leader or a politician woman of color replaced the Israeli Prime Minister? The offense would have been so obvious. That it would have taken no more than four minutes – not four days – for such a cartoon to have been discarded, irrespective of how many editors reviewed it. That's the key point. This virus of antisemitism is mutating again, as it always has. And now, Attacks on Israel are so commonplace that people don't even realize that some of those attacks are nothing but raw, naked, putrid anti-Semitism. Israel replaces the Jew as a more respectable veneer of what some people call progress. But it is nothing more than a regression to classical Jew hatred. It's gotten so bad that even after all the ruckus, the creator of the cartoon refused to apologize and rejected the accusation that the cartoon was hateful in any way. He blamed the Jewish propaganda machine for the controversy. What will be the reason why I cannot do a critique of Israeli policy without being immediately categorized as anti-Semitic? He said. I have nothing against the Jews. But I have many things against the politics of Israel. Hmm. Just trying to where have I heard that before? I have nothing against the Jews. Some some of my best friends are Jewish. It's just the Jewish people that I can't stand, they're too powerful. Although I do agree that in Israel, it's true, the Jews really do control the media and the banks. See that's the numbness to the creep of anti-Semitism. Anything goes when speaking of Israel, holding Israel to standards expected of no one else. As if there would be no Islamic terrorism, no ISIS, no Iran, no Syria, no North Korea, no dissension in Europe, no refugee problem, no economic hardships, no problems at all, were it not for the Jewish state the source of all the world's ills. even israeli action every israeli action is either immoral on its face or whitewashes pink washes or brainwashes deeper morality even an attack on an israeli hospital or a rocket fired at a kindergarten is justified as a righteous blow against a racist state. These anti-Zionist anti-Semites embody the moral arrogance of one who has the luxury of being somewhere else when the bomb explodes. The message that I want to deliver to you on this Shabbat Is of the Spirit. Fighting back starts in your heart, in your Jewish soul. Kindle the flame of the fires of Judaism. Stand up and be counted as proud Jews. Do not cower. Do not cringe, do not crouch, do not quiver. We've seen it all, endured it all, and prevailed over all those who sought to exterminate us. Of all the Western nations of antiquity, many of which we know about only because they are mentioned in the Hebrew Bible as wanting to destroy us, only we survived. The best way to defeat those who want to see a world without Jews is to commit and recommit to Jewish life. Never forget, you are the heirs of kings, prophets, freedom fighters, poets, teachers and moral guides who revolutionized human thought. You belong to an ancient people that changed the world. Commit and recommit to the future of our people, to Jewish education, to Jewish determination, and collective Jewish dignity – these, more than the harm that our foes can inflict upon us, will determine the future of Judaism. Mark Twain was in Vienna at the end of the 19th century where he witnessed anti-Jewish riots during a period of political turmoil in Austria. Twain was perplexed why Jews were targeted when no Jewish question was on the table. No Jew was insulting anyone and no Jew was doing any mischief towards any other person. Still, as Twain wrote, all the rival and fighting classes of people were unanimous on only one thing, on being against the Jews. In response to many questioners who asked him to explain the causes of this animosity towards Jews, Mark Twain wrote a long essay in Harper's Magazine in 1898. You can find it online. It's worth reading in its entirety. In his conclusion, Twain wrote "The Jews constitute but one percent of the human race. It suggests a nebulous dim puff of stardust in the blaze of the Milky Way. Properly, the Jew ought hardly to be heard of, but he is heard of. He is as prominent on the planet as any other people. His contributions to the world's list of great names in literature, science, art, music, finance, medicine and abstruse learning are also way out of proportion to the weakness of his numbers. The Egyptian, the Babylonian, the Persian rose, filled the planet with sound and splendor, Then. Faded to dream stuff and passed away. The Greek and the Roman followed and made a vast noise and they are gone. Other peoples have sprung up and held their torch high for a time. But it burned out and they sit in twilight now or have vanished. All things are mortal, but the Jew, all other forces pass, but he remains. What is the secret of his immortality?